Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. And this episode is sponsored by betonline.ag, where you should go and check them out. Use the code BLUEWIRE. You can get a welcome bonus. That all will be of help to you. And yeah, we're still in the middle of draft week. It's actually one day away maybe even 24 hours away, depending when you listen to this episode of the podcast. Finally, it's here. All the smoke screens, all the speculation, all the questions, all the waiting. It's almost done. Prospects can start to get excited and and start to anticipate that they might learn where they're going to head, where they're going to go, what teams might actually be interested in them truly and where they might be living for the next three to four to maybe even a decade or more of their lives. So that has to be a really exciting thing for players as they go here. And for fans, it's super exciting too, because, hey, one more day and you don't have to worry about a mock draft for at least three more days until the early 2021 mock drafts pop up right after the 2020 draft ends. But it'll be finally time to stop the wondering and start having real facts and real knowledge to base it off of. And you can start to really figure out where your team, in this case, the Lions or whatever team you like, that, but you still follow this podcast, which of which I'm appreciative of, you will be learning where they're going, what they're doing, what your team might actually look like for the 2020 season. Before we get started with today's episode, which will be a draft preview, I just quickly want to mention something as we're all dealing with the COVID crisis. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show as well. If you're in the Ann Arbor area, if you're in the Michigan area, really consider maybe donating some money to A2 Neighbors. What they end up doing is they're basically trying to pair local restaurants with donating food and meals for hospital frontline workers. It's a really good organization. It's run by a couple of friends of mine, so I can completely vouch for it. They've shown pictures online of themselves actually delivering meals, not my friends, but just the restaurants delivering meals to the varying frontline hospital workers. If you're interested in donating, the website is A2 Neighbors. 
That's the letter A, the number two, then the word neighbors dot givingfuel dot com backslash COVID dash 19. So anything you can give, I've tried to give to them a few times already. It's a way that you know that you can help. And listen, I know we're all we're all struggling here mentally. Some of us financially. So whatever you can give, if you're able to give, let's try to help the people who are helping us a little bit more and let's try to help them. So with that said, let's jump in to our draft preview. And and the way I figured that we would do this would be instead of going by position, because some positions are going to be more important than others. I, I thought let's go by round and let's really look at what could happen maybe in each round of the draft for the Lions. And obviously we'll start in round one with Right now, pick number three. If you watched the ESPN NFL Nation mock draft on Tuesday, you would have seen that I selected Ohio State cornerback Jeffrey Okuda for the Lions at number three. We were not allowed to trade in that draft scenario, so I had to stick at three, as I said in the episode. And as I would have been saying for a while now, if the Lions are able to trade out of three, I expect them to do so, whether that's going to five or six or nine. I I don't know. Maybe they go even deeper than that because maybe the Raiders or Colts decide to offer a massive compensation haul. But for the purposes of this, let's say they either stay at three or they drop back to five or six and pick up an extra second round pick. So, okay, at number three, obviously the ideal play would be if Chase Young falls to the Lions at number three, which means that a team is actually traded up with Washington at number two to take either Tua or Herbert and kind of go from there. And if Chase Young is there, I still think the Lions take Chase Young I think that that makes the most sense as a pick. He's a generational type talent. He fills a need for the Lions. And he's just a really, really good player. Yeah, I know that he had a few games where he didn't have a sack. But think about what you're talking about here. You're talking about a few games where you didn't have a sack. That's not he was completely eliminated. That's not he didn't have a tackle. That's he didn't get and actually sack the quarterback in those games. But he did, like against Michigan, for instance, he pressured the quarterback a ton. If you listen to Monday's episode, you heard John Runyon Jr., who went up against Chase Young, describe what it's like to face Chase Young. So Chase Young, to me, would be the ideal pick there. If Chase Young's not available, which I don't expect him to be, then it becomes Jeffrey Okuda's probably one of the top targets as we... We've talked about for weeks on this podcast. He's a corner that, to me, fits Matt Patricia's scheme really well. He's able to flip his hips so quickly. He has great closing speed. He has very good cover skills. He's a man press corner. He's everything Matt Patricia would want in a cornerback. Oh, and he's not afraid to hit either, which is something that, don't forget, with Matt Patricia's defense and the way they play, they want willing tacklers, and that's something that's key. However, as I've mentioned a couple of places when I've been on radio over the last week, I'm not 100% sold at this point that it's going to be Okuda. I was more sold on it a week ago. Look at Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. You might not like some of the numbers that he necessarily put up at the Combine, but look at his production. He has been a productive player throughout his college career. He's an SEC player. Even though he didn't play in the Senior Bowl, he was down in Mobile talking to teams. 
And so the Lions are able to at least get some idea of him. And the other thing with Derek Brown is this. And it's why, while I don't think they would take Javon Kinlaw at three, if they drop back to five, six, or nine, Javon Kinlaw could be very much in play for Detroit as well, is this. Matt Patricia likes to build his defenses from the inside out. He likes to build his defensive line pressure specifically from the inside out, get pressure up the middle, force the quarterback out of the pocket, and then your ends, whether that's Trey Flowers or Romeo Aquara or whomever it may be that's sitting there, cleans it up because they're able to get past their man. But the interior of the defensive line is so key for what Matt Patricia wants to do. And right now it is one of their weakest spots on the roster. They've got Danny Shelton and Nick Williams. And then frankly, just a bunch of guys who I don't even know if will be on the roster this fall. So Derek Brown would fill an obvious need for the Lions and it would not shock me if they took him at number three. I think that a lot of people might be surprised at that, but I'm just trying to give you some fair warning. Like, listen, Derek Brown could be a possibility. I don't think he's the favorite. I think it's still Jeff Okuda that's the favorite, but it would not stun me if Derek Brown went at number three or number five or number six. Now, Isaiah Simmons probably less so, although if you've listened to this podcast much, you know how I feel about Isaiah Simmons. I think he's the best overall prospect in this draft. I think for the right defensive coordinator, he becomes a defensive game changer because you can line him up, up, up in so many positions. You can put him at safety, at corner, at linebacker, even at defensive end, and you can sit there and say, okay, I can plan an entire defense around this one guy and it can cause nightmares for opposing offensive coordinators and even more importantly opposing quarterbacks Isaiah Simmons is going to be a good player in this league I feel very very confident about that I really really do where he ends up going is going to be key of how good of a player in this league he ends up being if he ends up with the right defensive coordinator a creative defensive coordinator then I think he's got a real shot to be uh, all pro, pro bowl type of player. No one really has the skill set like him right now in this draft. And honestly, maybe even in the NFL, I've heard comparisons to Derwin James and honestly, Derwin James is a heck of a player. So I think that that's a, that's a very complimentary comparison for Isaiah Simmons. Do I think the lions would take him at three? I don't know. Based off of their moves in free agency, I, I don't think they would because I think they have bigger needs elsewhere. But look at last year. They look to have filled their need at tight end, and then they took TJ Hawkinson at tight end. So Bob Quinn has no problem doubling up if he needs to, especially at a position like linebacker or safety where you need more of those guys throughout the course of a season and even the course of a game. So maybe they take Isaiah Simmons. I would rank it right now as far as expectation level if Chase Young is gone to go Jeff Okuda, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons, Javon Kinlaw, in that order of where I think they would take those guys. And we'll see what happens. But if they trade back to five or six or nine, I still think they'll be able to get one of those guys in any of those spots. And if they don't, then maybe you're looking at an offensive tackle or maybe even a wide receiver if they really like CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy. But that would be my guess. And don't forget, the other guy that's really out there potentially is Henderson from Florida. He's the second best corner in the draft. Some people maybe think he's the best corner in the draft. 
But if they trade back to 9 or maybe to 12, they could possibly get C.J. Henderson there, still get a high-quality corner, and they're definitely adding a either a extra first-round pick or a couple of extra picks in the draft that can bolster their team. But to me, right now, if they stay at 3 or they go to 5 or 6, it's one of those four guys that we talked about at the top, provided that Chase Young isn't there. And we'll be back right after this break with the rest of the breakdown of this year's draft. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. Just be glad I'm not controlling one of those teams. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which is one of my favorite events every single year. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the show where we're going round by round to look at what might happen in the NFL draft that starts tomorrow. And we just previewed the first round before the break. Now we'll hit the rest of the draft. Let's start with round two. The Lions right now have pick number 35, as we talked about earlier. Let's say they maybe get 39 or 41 as well. So who might be the best options for Detroit? And obviously this now all depends on what they do in round one. So let's say they draft Jeffrey Okuda in the first round at number three, as a lot of people expect they will. So the ideal pick to me would be a player who's falling, which would be Kalevon Chason from LSU or maybe Patrick Queen. Obviously Chason's more of an edge rusher. Patrick Queen's more of a linebacker. If they could get one of those two guys. Now, I don't think that, frankly, he's dropping to 35 or 39 slash 41. But if either one of those guys is there, they would be great fits for the Lions. Chason would be a steal, in my opinion, here. But I don't know if that happens. So, okay. So let's say those guys are off the board. Then what are you looking at? To me, I would start looking at A.J. Espensa, the defensive end from Iowa. Again, going back to the conversation we had with John Runyon on Monday, he actually said that Espensa was the toughest defensive end he faced all year. Now, some of that was because of Espensa's strengths versus Runyon's weaknesses as opposed to the entire player because I asked him, well, why him versus Chase Young? And he explained that on Monday's podcast. But to me, Espensa would be... A great selection if he's there. He would give the Lions a first-round talent early in the second round. And if Detroit's able to snag him there at 35, then that would be a really, really good move for Detroit. Another guy to look at, again, if they take Okuda is Zach Bond, the linebacker from Wisconsin. He very well could be there at 35 or 39 slash 41 if they have that pick as well. And that would be a versatile linebacker. They could move all over the place. It would be a guy that could learn from Jamie Collins pretty early on in his career and eventually potentially be a Jamie Collins replacement. And he's a guy that can fit in any defense as well. So he's someone that could be a really smart pick for Detroit at that point. So let's say they take Derek Brown. 
Well, okay. At that point, if somehow they do that, then maybe Jeff Gladney, the cornerback from TCU, is there. If he's still around, then that could be a strong pick in the second round. It would give the Lions a corner that they feel like could slide in early on and play. Maybe he's not a day one starter, so maybe you're going and signing somebody in free agency like a Logan Ryan or a Prince of Mukamara because Detroit has a good amount of cap space to do something like that after the draft. And then you allow yourself to bring Gladney on and maybe win that job at midseason. And don't forget, there's still Amani Awarie there. As Bob Quinn said, you need to have at least three starting corners at this point in the NFL. Right now, the Lions have two, arguably, in Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman. That third spot is wide open. Awarie, as of today, before the draft, would be the odds-on favorite to win that job. But I still think, as of Wednesday morning when you're listening to this, the Lions' starting cornerback opposite Desmond Trufant is not on the roster. I think that that player either comes from a free agent signing or from the first two rounds of the draft, with Awarie being the best possible option the Lions have on their roster at the moment. So glad he can play man or zone. He'd be a really good pick at 35 if Detroit goes with Derek Brown. And one thing that stuck out to me with what Quinn said is that he feels like there's maybe in the first three rounds some good corners that can be found in all three spots. So Say they end up having two second-round picks. Maybe they go with a guy like Gladney if they've addressed defensive tackle in round one. And then there is offense. So to me, if Cesar Ruiz, the offensive lineman from Michigan, is there at 35 or 39-41, he would be a smart pick for Detroit. He can play guard or center. He's a plug-and-play type of guy. You can just slide him in a right guard. You've solved that problem. And, yeah, you're going Michigan to Michigan from Graham Glasgow to Cesar Ruiz, but he would be a guy that would make a lot of sense for the Lions at 35 or 39-41 again if they end up having that pick. So offensive line-wise, that could be a good fit. A couple of other names to watch. Any of the running backs at this point, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. Running back has been a sweet spot for the Lions in round two in the past. That's where Now, it hasn't always gone well, but that's where they've taken Mikel Lashore. That's where they've taken Amir Abdullah. That's where they've taken Carrion Johnson. And I understand right now if you've thrown your telephone or your laptop or whatever you're listening to this podcast on because of how some of those picks have not worked out for Detroit. But it doesn't mean they're not going to try again at running back in round two. Because there's some talent there. Me, I would wait till a little bit later because I think there are more value plays later on in this draft. But it's a possibility. Wide receiver is also maybe a spot that they could look at here. But I think it's such a deep receiver class, you can probably sit back and wait till round three, round four, and maybe get a really quality player there. One other thing to watch, again, if they take Jeffrey Okuda in round one is... Will they go interior pass rusher, defensive tackle? Here in round two, Ross Blacklock from TCU is another player that would potentially make a lot of sense here and just something to consider. There's also Marlon Davidson from Auburn. He's another guy that, especially if the Lions are sitting with two picks in the second round, could be an interesting selection. So, all right, let's move on to round three. Again, so much of this is going to depend on what happens in rounds one and two. And this is maybe where you can get a real steal if a player is slipped. Now, that could especially be running back. Maybe Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins ends up falling. Well, okay, then if they're sitting there in round three, I think if you're the Lions, you run. Run. 
and grab those that guy at that point because that is a great value play at pick number 67. Some other running backs. Are, this, to me, feels like it could be a very interesting offensive spot for Detroit because beyond those running backs, maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU is an option. Maybe Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State, who could end up going in round one, frankly, might even be available in round three because it's going to just depend so much on how teams look at wide receivers because it's such a deep wide receiver class. Remember, the Lions have two third-round picks here, so this is more at 67. Defensive tackle could get addressed here as well if they don't go with Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw early on, or if they didn't take, say, Davidson or Blacklock in round two. Maybe this is an area where Neville, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma goes. And and this is another guy I'm going to mention, Justin Badubuke, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M. He's a guy that, frankly, could end up late first. He could end up second. He's a guy that if they took him in the second round, it wouldn't shock me. And he could end up here, too. We just don't know because there's, I think, a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns about how the draft board sets up. And we'll have a little bit more of that in tomorrow's podcast with Field Yates about what draft boards really look like and kind of some of the unknowns there. But those are guys to potentially look at here at pick number 67 because it's still filling needs for the Lions. And and receivers, I mean, you can pick a ton of receivers throughout this draft. I'm just highlighting a few of them here and there. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is another guy from Michigan that maybe could pop up here in the third round. And when we look at pick 85, some of these guys that might be ideally there, like a Josh Uche, an edge rusher from Michigan, or Bradley Ane, the edge rusher defensive end from Utah. Both of them worked, the Lions worked with both of them in the Senior Bowl. Both of them would be values. Definitely 85. Uche probably at 67 would be great value. I mean, there's a chance he could go in the second round as well. But to me, depending what they do, if they don't go edge rusher in the first two rounds, I think the third round is where they find an edge rusher. They really liked Bradley Anne, or Anya. I apologize. So that is a possibility here at 85. I don't know if 67 would be the right spot for him, but it wouldn't shock me because if there's value there, and we've seen the Lions in the on day two specifically, this is where a huge surprise could come because remember, Tracy Walker was a big surprise in the third round a couple of years ago. Jelani Tavai sent reporters and really everybody scrambling in round two last year when the Lions took him. So Bob Quinn has been known to throw a surprise or two in round two or three. So maybe they take somebody higher or they take somebody we're not even talking about right now. But beyond, you know, say Uche or Ine, if you really want to focus on an edge, or a defensive end in round three at some point. This is where you could get a lot of other value picks. Chase Claypool, if he's sitting there, even at 67, I consider him. If he's there, the wide receiver from Notre Dame at 85, to me, he might be the pick. He's so good. He's talented. He's extremely tall. He can. He's built almost like a tight end for a lot of teams, but he's a receiver. He's got great speed, and frankly... Wherever he goes, I think he's going to be a productive NFL player. If I'm the Lions and I'm able to pair him with, say, Kenny Galladay for the next four to five years, that gives Matthew Stafford a bunch of tall outside weapons that makes makes this team really, really dangerous on offense. 
This might be if they don't address the interior of the offensive line earlier. Maybe this is an area where they do that. Tyler Bayadez, and I'm just trying to pick, I guess, the hardest names possible to say. The offensive lineman from Wisconsin could be an option here. Jason Strobridge, who's the defensive tackle from North Carolina. The Lions worked with him a lot at the Senior Bowl. They really liked him. If maybe they don't go defensive tackle early on, he's a guy that maybe you can get in the third round, feel pretty good about it. And the Lions, at least from working with him for a week, know what they can get. Don't be surprised if throughout this draft, Bob Quinn, we all know, likes his Senior Bowl prospects anyway. Don't be surprised if throughout this draft you see even more Senior Bowl prospects being discussed and then eventually taken by Detroit and by Cincinnati, frankly, throughout this process because they've got to actually work with these players. They have an advantage over other teams because they were in there with them for meetings for a week. They actually coached them. This That's invaluable when it comes to replacing individual workouts, and a lot of times pro days. That is going to be a big key and big help for Detroit. So don't be surprised if you see throughout the draft, senior bowl guys, especially after the first round when it's the elite of the elite talent, end up maybe getting that tiebreaker scenario if the Lions know what they're going to get out of that player. Another guy to watch will be Akeem Davis-Gaither, the outside linebacker from Appalachian State. He's a guy that could fit in at this point as well. I think the Lions will go and take a linebacker at some point in this draft. Just a matter of when. Looking now at day three, the Lions right now have the pick number 109 in round four. Again, this is an area where maybe they go receiver if Claypool or Peoples-Jones ends up in this spot and they haven't taken a receiver yet. That's a possibility. Ohio State's K.J. Hill, another senior bowl guy. He's more of a slot receiver, and the Lions are going to need that because, listen, of their top receivers right now, all of them are in a contract year, but Danny Amendola is the one who's up there the most in years, probably the least likely to be a a long-term part of Detroit's plan just because of his age. So maybe they take K.J. Hill here, have him learn for a year behind Amendola, and go from there. Van Jefferson, the son of former Lions receivers coach Sean Jefferson, who Calvin Johnson raved about Sean Jefferson, and and so is Nate Burleson, and a bunch of other receivers that have played under him. Van Jefferson could be a guy that gets a look in round four as well. He was another senior bowl guy, although he was on the South roster. Maybe this is a spot for a running back if they don't go there on day two. Joshua Kelly from UCLA, a guy, again, the Lions coach in the senior bowl, has good power, has good speed. I know the Lions coaches liked him a lot in Mobile, so maybe this is a spot where they take him. And they might need a tight end too, so maybe Bryson Hopkins from Purdue gets a look here on day three early on. I I expect that they might take a tight end at some point in this draft. I don't think they would do it early. If they did it on day two, maybe Adam Troutman from Dayton would be the guy, but I just don't know if they're going to do that. I think that this is maybe a day, early day three pick if they decide to go tight end because right now their tight ends are TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, and Isaac Nada. And listen, we don't just don't know about a lot of those guys. Uh, there are questions at all about all of those guys, even though they remade that room last year. It could be one of the more talented rooms in the league, or it could be a big problem. So if you can add another person, that can only help. In round five right now, they have pick number 149. And maybe this is another area to add a tight end. Maybe they look at Thaddeus Moss, son of Randy Moss from LSU. He doesn't have a lot of playing time. He doesn't have a lot of production, but 
He is a very trait-heavy player, and we'll get into that again tomorrow with Field Yates on t- on the pro- podcast that we're doing to actually preview the draft on Thursday. But he's maybe a guy that day three, round four, round five, maybe you consider him because you do have Hawkinson and James, so you don't necessarily need to throw Thaddeus Moss out there right away. You can learn for a year, but he could be a steal for somebody in a couple of years down the road because, listen, he has the bloodlines, he has the traits, he has good hands. You saw what he did in the second half of the season and in the college football playoff for LSU. He's a good player. Other guys that possibly are around at this point, and again, it's so much harder to predict on day three, but Kenny Willickis, the edge rusher from Michigan State, he could be a fit. Again, another player the Lions coached at the Senior Bowl. Kansas edge rusher Azor Kamara, he could be a guy to watch here on day three as well, especially if the Lions decide to double up on an edge rusher linebacker type position. They do have two fifth-round picks at this point. They also have number 166. To me right now, 166 could be where you see the Lions take Anthony Gordon. He's been somebody I've talked about for months now. Again, a senior bowl prospect. He was on this podcast earlier this draft process. And so go back and dig that up. You know, he's, he listen, he'd be a project. He'd be a developmental guy. But at this point, if you're the Lions at quarterback, that's what you're looking for because you've signed Chase Daniel and you're probably going to have Chase Daniel there for two years. Matthew Stafford's your starter. You want a guy that you can feel good about down the road that maybe can push Chase Daniel for that number two spot as early as next year. You want to give him time to learn. Kind of what they were planning on doing in a lot of ways, I think, with David Blau before injuries set in and Blau was forced to play. You know, I think Gordon would be in a better position than David Blau if he were forced to play in 2020. But to me, he's a guy that a lot of people have mentioned as a day three pick to the Lions, myself included. He's been a guy that I've wa- I watched a lot at the Senior Bowl. I thought he impressed at the Senior Bowl. Yes, he only has had one year as a starter, but the Washington State quarterback system has developed some NFL quarterbacks in the past. He knows what he's doing. He's got good enough arm strength. And I think he's a guy that you could see in this round five at either one of these picks as maybe a guy the Lions take if he's still around and they can just work on him, stash him, and develop him for the future. Beyond Gordon and some of the other guys that we talked about for the last round five pick, maybe you're looking at Iowa's Michael Ojemudier here. He's a Michigan native. His brother Mario played at Michigan. He's a good corner. Maybe they double up at corner here to really try and enforce that because that's also a heavy special teams position. If they haven't touched offensive line yet, maybe Ben Bradison, either at 166 or the earlier round five pick, maybe even the round four pick, Ben Bradison, is a guy that, again, he can play guard. He can maybe even be a late plug-and-play guy. I know we're focusing a lot on Michigan offensive linemen here, but the Lions do like their Michigan offensive linemen. So it would not shock me if they took him, especially if they haven't addressed this pick or this position earlier on in the draft. Again, running back is another question here as... I don't know if Antonio Gibson's still sitting here in round five, but if he is, he's really enticing as well. And one other guy I want to mention here, although I expect him to go way earlier, is Lynn Bowden to me is a very intriguing prospect. He's probably a day two guy instead of a day three guy, but he is a very big gadget player. Think kind of how the Lions used J.D. McKissick last year. They don't have someone on their roster at the moment that they can use like that. 
Daryl Breville likes having that type of player on his roster, so maybe a Lim Bowden or even an Antonio Gibson could fit that role. Looking now at round six, I mean, at this point, you're, you're throwing darts here, but a guy to watch potentially is Anthony Jennings, the edge rusher from Alabama. If somehow he's still sitting there, he could be a real steal. He's a project, but the Lions do like their Alabama defensive players. Bob Quinn has gone there over and over again, whether it was Deshaun Hand or Sean Robinson. He likes his SEC defensive players. He likes his Alabama front seven guys. Anthony Jennings is a guy that on day three could be a sensible pick for the Lions. And then in round seven, you know, I, I don't know if they would go in round seven here. This might be an earlier pick, but I do think they're going to take a punter at some point in this draft. I do think that punter will be Braden Mann from Texas A&M. The Lions right now, their punting situation is Matt Weil or Jack Fox. Both of those guys were on the Lions practice squad this year. Basically there in case they had put Sam Martin on injured reserve at some point in the second half of the season, which was a possibility at some point. That was, I know, being talked about here and there and they had both of those guys ready to go if Sam who's now in Denver had actually had to go on injured reserve but they need to maybe bring in another guy and and Braden Mann to me is a guy you can bring in and you can then not worry about punter for a decade he's a good player again senior ball player the Lions have looked at him they have worked with him it would not shock me if Braden Mann ends up being a lion by the end of day three. And if he's still sitting there in round seven, although again, I think they could take him earlier. Maybe they use that round six pick on him or maybe even a round five selection, but I, I would think it would be maybe round six that if he's still there in round seven, I think the lions make that move. If they don't, then if he's still sitting there as an undrafted free agent, I know Bob Quinn said they'd only have a handful of undrafted free agents this year. To me, he would make sense as an undrafted free agent that would come in pretty darn quickly to help out and, and would have a really good shot of making the team. So that's your draft preview. As far as undrafted free agents go, as I asked Bob Quinn, and it's starting to make the rounds around the the media circles in the league, that it's going to be really hard for undrafted free agents this year and late round picks, honestly, which is why you might see a punter go in round six or seven because those guys, in theory, need less seasoning to get ready to play early on. So it would actually not shock me if you see a couple more punters or kickers get taken than normal just because you know you can maybe get a better investment out of that draft pick than a defensive tackle who might really struggle to make the team early on. So you just don't know those types of things. However, for undrafted free agents, it's going to be really tough, especially if there are no spring workouts. And at this point, there's no indication that there will be any spring workouts and we just don't know what's going to happen. So that's something to think of toward the end of the draft is a, the lion's aren't going to necessarily have a lot of spots for UDFAs and B it's going to be a much harder road for your UDFA players this year. And that's unfortunate for those players because so often they end up becoming the best stories in the spring and in training camp Uh, in lions, recent history, Joseph Fourier and Zach Zenner and CJ Moore and Kevin strong are examples of that. So it's going to be hard. As Bob Quinn said, it's going to be harder, but not impossible for UDFAs this year. But it's going to be a long journey, a long road for them, especially since right now there's no possibility, it looks like, of rookie minicamp. But we'll see what happens down the road. 
Thanks, as always, for listening to this podcast. Thanks to Blue Wire, Regents Field, and BetOnline.ag for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to my producer, David Woodley. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. We'll be there paying attention to the draft the entire time. You can give us a five-star review if possible. Make sure you download and subscribe to this podcast. Let us know who you want to hear from after the draft as we'll be getting back to a lot more interviews once this draft is over. And again, we're going to have coverage the rest of this week. Tomorrow we have ESPN analyst Field Yates coming on the show to help preview the NFL draft. Then we'll have wrap-ups on Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning, and Monday of the NFL draft and what the Lions and the league does every day. Thanks, as always, for listening to this podcast. Don't forget, a2neighbors.givingfuel.com backslash COVID-19 if you do want to help out and maybe give some money to help the people who are helping us right now as we get through this coronavirus pandemic. And with that, we'll talk to you tomorrow.